Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. I'm so excited to have a conversation with this powerhouse of a human being talking about things that people are afraid to talk about, which is intimacy. We have Dr. Jacqueline Sherman, or as most people know her as Dr. Jack, who is a licensed clinical psychologist, intimacy coach, and relationship expert based in Florida. She is passionate about helping women build confidence and teaches couples all over the world how to have better relationships and mind-blowing intimacy. In 2022, she released Sex Formation Cards, the first sexual wellness card deck for women. The deck helps women boost their sex confidence and enhance their intimacy by developing a practical sexual self-care practice with a 15% discount code in the show notes. Y'all know I'm all into relationships and relationship specialist myself and someone to talk in such a real practical way on how to find true connection and love, to be loved and to give love, not just with communication, but with intimacy, which is not just physicality, but true depth of a relationship is something that we all deserve, need, and hope for in relationships. So I'm excited to have Dr. Jack on. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have Dr. Jack on talking about relationships, but not just, you know, how to communicate, all those wonderful things, but something even deeper, which is intimacy. And I think there's such a big misconception from it, you know, from society about it, whether it's, you know, movies, media, um, TV, and all that kind of fun stuff. You know, a jokey thing that I always say, uh, Dr. Jack, is, uh, you know, when you look at TV and movies, they look at relationships and couples. All the couples are cuddling in bed and uh, falling asleep in each other's arms. You know what? I have a pretty intimate relationship with my wife. We don't do that because we run pretty hot and sweaty <laughs> at nighttime and it's just not ideal. So there's time for cuddles and there's time for separation and sleep. Um, so, uh, I'm super excited to hear your perspective and what, what intimacy truly means and how to create that environment for ourselves and for our, for our relationship. So, uh, if you can introduce yourself to the listeners, I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so my name is Dr. Jacqueline Sherman, um, but my friends, clients, and colleagues call me Dr. Jack. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm also a certified intimacy and relationship coach. Um, and I also am a speaker and the creator of Sex Formation Cards, which are a three-step practice for women to have better sexual confidence and mind-blowing intimacy. So it's the first sexual wellness card deck. Really excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, I love to help women and couples to have better relationships and to deepen their intimacy. I think that that's really important because sometimes we can be very narrow-minded on our understanding of intimacy. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting. I work with couples every week, every day, and and they focus so much on a lot of external things of you know, you did this and you do that and communication struggles and, and trust and respect, all those things that are very foundational. But, and I've read plenty of relationship books and, and experts in the field. And something that I don't see very often is the focus on intimacy as much as the other conversations of how we communicate and how we connect. Is there a reason Maybe I'm just not seeing it as much or not reading the right books, but I'm talking the classics, you know, Metaphor Mars, Winter Venus, Gottman, Sujan, like all those experts. Mm -hmm. Why is intimacy not one of the top of those conversations versus the other things that are kind of the classics? Ah, that's such a wonderful question. You know, I think... In, in thinking about that, I think that oftentimes it's not brought up as much because it is an area that we are expecting our relationship to thrive in without having to do any work, right? So intimacy is something that just when you're with someone for a long time, it's going to build, right? That's mm -hmm. a no-brainer. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, we can understand that we may need conflict resolution skills or communication skills or skills in other areas of our relationship. But intimacy is an area I think that we have been told from society that is an area that should just develop on its own. So I think that that information is oftentimes missing. And then what couples experience when they're struggling with intimacy, whether that be emotional intimacy or physical intimacy, is that we're broken. 
And so I think that we don't focus on the importance of intimacy being something that we have to intentionally cultivate over the course of our relationships with people, especially, you know, individuals that we're in lifelong partnerships with. Yeah. So let's back up for a second. So then what, what is your definition of intimacy and how do you, and, and how do you kind of put that in a practical perspective than just a theoretical perspective? Yeah. So my definition would be intentional closeness that builds over time as you connect deeply to yourself and others. And that self piece is so important because intimacy is really into me, you see. So you have to build that closeness intention. You have to build that closeness with intentionality with yourself first to be able to start to deepen and allow someone else into that intimate space. And I also like to think about intimacy as having layers. There's emotional intimacy, how we are able to create a space of emotional risk with ourselves as well as the other people in our life. But there's also that physical intimacy. How are we open to touch and vulnerability in that way, as well as experiential intellectual and spiritual. So a lot of people um, are oftentimes almost thinking about intimacy equals sex. And it's so much bigger than that. It really is about this deep connection um, and comfortability that you're first building with yourself and then also extending that to the people that we love, especially our partners. You know, it's interesting. I'm an Orthodox Jew and um, Mm -hmm. there are a few customs that we have in our tradition and even like the biblical conversation and terminology for sex is actually, if you look at like the Bible words, it's like they knew each other, right? If you look at like mm. the old school terminology of, of like the yeah. Bible's, he, he, the old Hebrew, when they talk about like the forefathers and all those things, Abraham, and they talk about sex, like they became knowledge of each other. They knew, right? That That is like the idea of intimacy, right? Knowledge and knowing each other is not just the physicality, but understanding and perspective of connection. Yeah. And, and I know that um, there, you know, depending on the sect of Judaism and how religious someone might be, um, there is mm-hmm. this custom of when a woman is on her menstrual cycle that you don't physically interact with your wife. Like you do not have sex, wow. you do not touch, mm-hmm. right? There's like an idea of, I know this sounds weird, but this idea of like, like dirty or impurity. And then there's like a process of purity. Mm -hmm. They go to some, like some whole, like some ritual. And then there's deep connection and wanting and, and, and love. And because you're building the relationship outside of just physicality, you cannot fall Mm -hmm. back to physicality. You cannot have makeup sex when you're screaming and yelling at each other. You have to talk it out. You have to actually connect in ways that aren't just physical so it's so interesting that these things are something that have been ingrained in, in, in a lot of the culture that I grew up in, but it's so interesting that even that's true, we still don't know what the hell we're doing because intimacy is not something that we're taught. And mm-hmm. so the question I have and all that kind of TED talk about Judaism and all that kind of fun stuff, um, how do we start learning about ourselves? And even talking to our person, our people, our connected, you know, partners about what they need or how that happens to create depth when we don't even know what that means to start or even for ourselves. Yeah, such a such a really, really great question. And I think that really where it starts is curiosity. I think curiosity is such an amazing tool. Um, I think that it helps our relationships um, last the 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 stand of time, um, and that it really helps us to understand ourselves better. I think that when we when we're taught having a conversation about intimacy, again, it has to start with self. And so I think that a lot of times for ourselves. We don't ask enough questions. We don't kind of question our thoughts and our emotions enough to really understand um, who we are intimately. Mm-hmm. And of course, we live in a society that makes it very easy to do that, right? We can pick up our phone and get distracted for hours, right? We can go on TikTok or Instagram and start scrolling. And although, you know, there's a lot of benefits to the world that we live in and how we can be so detached from what's happening to us internally, I think that when we can come home to our thoughts, 
our mindset, our emotions, who we truly are as an individual and spend more time there. What are we curious about learning, right? What are our, what are the desires that are in our, in our mind and in our heart? I think that that is where intimacy lies. And that is where we can start to understand ourselves more. And then when we have a good understanding of that aspect of ourself, which again, that is an everyday me because the intimate person I was at 18 is very different than who it is now that I'm 36 years old. Um, and it's going to continue to evolve and continue to change. But if I stop being curious and I stop asking myself questions like, what do I really want? What is truly important to me? What are my values? You know, who do I enjoy being around? Um, you know, what do I like to do? How do I like to spend my time? Um, what lights me up and what depletes my energy? right? Those are those intimate questions that help you to understand yourself better. And then when you start to then extend those type of questions to your partner, you're building that emotional intimacy. You're learning about their wants, their desires, their dreams, what they're passionate about. And that really is how you create the intimacy in your relationship and continue to build upon it as you grow in terms of who you are and what really lights you up as an individual. I love that. And I, I think something that a lot of people are afraid to do is that journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sometimes we are either worried what we're going to think or or what we're going to learn about ourselves. We might be embarrassed about some thoughts or some feelings that might come up. And something that you said, that I think is so true. Everything you said is so true. But something that I want to focus on is the idea of the evolving, ever evolving door that we are that we are evolving. I am not the same person I was in high school. Thank God. I'm so happy. Um, less pimples grew up a little bit, you know, my voice has changed and I'm a lot more mature and not just that my brain, my knowledge, my understanding who I am is, is, is different, not better, just different. And I like that difference. But when I'm in my fifties, I'm not going to be the same as I am in my thirties. And I really hope not. We shouldn't, we okay. need to be growing or evolving or, or, or adjusting and pivoting with what happens. And and I think that that idea that you said, the uh, longevity of a relationship is that awareness and continued pivot. I got asked a question a couple of months ago from a client about the idea of, do all relationships fizzle? And the answer is no, they can. All relationships can fizzle if we don't put in the effort to continuously be aware and knowledgeable of our person. We might think we know someone, but we really don't. We have to we have to be active in knowing. And I think that you're talking in such a beautiful way that has nothing to do with physicality. There's nothing to do with phys- physicality to me is the last part of intimacy. Very important. But like if I know what makes my person tick, if I know how they feel loved, how they feel seen, how they feel respected, how they feel connected to me, how much more hot and sexy that can be for the actual physical connection. So, you know, the question I have is, is that self-intimacy you talk about? Is there, you know, levels of that? Because I know what the idea of emotions and, but let's focus for a second on the physicality, right? How do we know that if we're, if we're afraid to try new things or our partner is has certain needs or wants and we can't access those depths for whatever reason is there like a limit of self intimacy that is good enough kind of question yeah so i think that one starting off with being inquisitive um again starting with ourselves and our partner is going to be a really great place to start I think that like you kind of mentioned, and I love how you kind of shared that, you know, we're, we're not, we're not going to be the same people. Um, and we're also, there's going to be parts of ourselves that we haven't discovered yet. That's the exciting part as well. And so I think that taking that aspect into the physical intimacy piece is really important because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know if you like something, if you haven't tried it. Um, and so I think that approaching it from an aspect of, okay, I'm going to get curious around what turns me on intimately? What am I into? What are maybe some fantasies that I've had? What are some things that I like? I'm going to get curious about that. And I'm also going to extend that conversation 
to my partner. So we can explore together the curiosity around what our, how our self-intimacy um, and our emotional intimacy can then broaden into our physical intimacy. And I think that that's so important. And I see this very often. I, I, I coach a lot of couples around this in their relationship. And I'm so glad that you meant to mention the fizzle part because what I will get in the work in the coaching work that I do is that sex has fizzle, fizzled specifically. And they're like, emotionally, we're doing well, we're connected, but this aspect of our relationship has just, it's just not like what it used to be. Um, and I often tell people to kind of talk to me about what sex looks like for them. What does that physical intimacy look like? And usually they know what to expect. They assume that they know what their partner likes, right? Just like they may know that their partner likes their eggs cooked a certain way. They know the temperature of their steak. They can answer their 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 sentences it's very similar to that with physical intimacy so they have they they know so they stop asking they stop getting curious and so i think that that is really the the piece that keeps the physical intimacy aspect of the relationship not fizzling uh, because you're constantly learning and trying and doing different things and i will say this also because there's so much vulnerability in physical connection and physical intimacy and sex just in general. These conversations have to be rooted in safety and non-judgment um, because we can very easily kind of shut down from sharing our curiosities, our desires, and our fantasies with our partners if we are not feeling safe. So that's an important aspect to add as well. You know, a question on that is, you know, the idea of, you know, expect like I know what to expect kind of conversation. What if a partner is comfortable with what they have or what they know, and the other one is thinking, well, that's not good for me anymore, right? The idea of, well, the guy likes this and that, and the girl's like, well, I don't like that anymore. I know it works for you, but not for me, right? How do you have that conversation where one partner is okay with the routine of, let's say, just let's talk about sex, for example. Uh, and the other partner is like, this is getting a little stale and boring. Really good question. So what I will say is I will have that couple to start to, for the relationship now, redefine what sex means and come together on that definition, right? Good sex. Um, because every couple is going to be a little bit different, but it really is a coming togetherness that is really important. So if you have one one partner who's saying like, everything's good over here. <laughs> um, I have no complaints, but the other partner's like, Hey, I really, you know, want to try this. Um, I would encourage the couple to really think about for themselves, like, what is the role of sex? Is the, is the role of sex to explore, to have adventure, to have connection. Um, and oftentimes that, that when they're thinking through that definition, a lot of times they will come to the conclusion that there's a compromise, there's a give and take here, right? And that that is actually going to help create intimacy for us when we can both kind of lean into maybe some discomfort in this process to build more closeness with one another. So I think that it's really, really important for couples to really think about that definition for themselves and think about the benefits of exploring what they don't know. Because again, when we think about pleasure, when we think about opportunities to build closeness, when we think about novelty, um, there's so many things that we haven't tried or explored. And I think that sometimes we can really get stuck in our comfort zone, understandably so. It's where we're comfortable, right? Our, our, our brain isn't, um, you know, releasing all of these endorphins that are, you know, creating anxiety in our body or stress. Um, but I also think that we really have to think about, especially if if we're engaging in, you know, sex or physical intimacy with our partner, um, both individuals um, are open to expressing their want or need for expansion. And so just allowing that to be a conversation before there's an expectation to make a change, I think is really important. You know, I have like a whole line of questions that are building off the next question I have, but uh, how does someone gain that confidence and push through the nerves of 
maybe worry or shame or, 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 or guilt or whatever emotion you want to put to it of asking and pushing the boundary of what has been to something to expand. Like what are some of those steps if there has been safety and there has been no, no, nothing that would cause them, but it is just a very intimate, vulnerable thing to ask, Hey babe, I would like to try, or, you know, my friend told me about this, or I saw a commercial for that, or even, which I don't think is the healthiest thing. And and you, maybe you can comment like, Hey, I was watching pornography and they tried this thing. I would like to like, how do you create or not get judgmental or as the other partner or worried or concerned? Cause I have a specific question to ask afterwards about it, that I had a few cases of couples where it was a huge argument of, uh, of mm, contention. Okay. Yeah. So first, um, I normal, I want to normalize and I also want to empathize with couples that have been in that, in that predicament, um, because it's not uncommon because again, sex in general is just something that we don't often talk about, especially if we want more or something's not going right, or we're trying to give some constructive feedback. Like we don't have a lot of practice having those conversations. So a lot of time there can be for the partner that's bringing it up, fear and guilt of, okay, I'm wanting more. And then for the partner that is receiving the information, there can just be, you know, a lot of feelings of, you know, disappointment. Um, Am I enough? You know, questioning their worthiness. And so these are not easy conversations to have. Um, And they take some boldness and they take some courage and they take some stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, Because what we know that can happen as if, if we avoid the conversations is that it can cause some resentment and it likely will come out in different, in another way that could harm the relationship. So what I oftentimes tell couples to do is start not with, hey, so say you, you know, you haven't necessarily been having conversations with sex. I would not start with, so there's some things that I want to change up because I'm getting bored in the bedroom. Don't start there. Um, But what I would start with is actually making physical intimacy and sex, a regular part of your conversation. And I would start with a why. Babe, I really want to expand our intimacy in our relationship. I'm talking about our emotional intimacy, but also our physical intimacy in terms of how often we have conversation around it. Because we don't talk about it a lot. And most couples don't. Um, So I really want to start to build this muscle with you and create an ongoing conversation about our sex life because I want it to be as great as it can be for both of us. Right. And so I and then I would follow up with starting with the highlights. Right. When you think about what's going on in the bedroom, what are maybe three things that you feel like are your strengths as a couple when it comes to your physical intimacy? One can be, you know, I always feel like, you know, we cuddle at night and that makes me feel really good. Um, You know, I love when we engage in sex because I feel closer to you. Um, And I love the way that you kiss me in the morning, you know, before you head off to work. Right. So I encourage couples to create a why, right, where there's buy in on both ends of, yeah, you know, this we talk about finances. We talk about, you know, other uncomfortable conversations. Let's add this in a way that really helps our relationship versus hurting it. Um, And then really encouraging couples to start with the highlights. After that, I would say that the conversation can extend to. Just again, taking the pressure off. Let's get curious. I don't really know all that much about what you like um, or what you would be into. I don't know. You don't know what I would be into. So let's maybe take out a piece of paper. And I actually have a card um, in the sex formation card deck that that encourages individuals to write a list for themselves first, where it's an yes, no, or maybe list, or an open, closed, maybe list, where you're just thinking about and spending some time and your thoughts around like, what are some of my desires? What are some things that I would want to try? What are some things that are completely off limits to me? What are some things that are a hell yes for me? And what are some things that are a maybe? And you can start with individually doing those lists. And that's going to help you connect to your self-intimacy and then sharing it with your partner. Oftentimes when I do this exercise with couples, a lot of times there's surprise with the overlap of things that they are interested in trying that maybe they had never knew that their partner was into. And so it can just start off with 
a lot of non-judgment, but a way that you can kind of create an activity that turns into a discussion. So I often tell people to start there if they're feeling that discomfort versus just jumping in and saying, hey, I want to try this new thing. I know you're not into it, but I need you. Um, that can often be where the confliction um, can arise in a relationship. And what if that, you know, beautiful conversation and and list and checklist, I think that's an amazing idea, doesn't cross over. Like I've mm-hmm. had couples where, for example, the girl felt that that she was now interested in girls as well, right? Mm-hmm. Or opening the relationship, um, you know, threesomes, foursomes, you know, whatever it might be. Um, or even just, I've worked with couples where they want to just try new things, whether it was the example that I, I have is like pegging, right? Like those kind of things that maybe mm-hmm. might be a little uncomfortable for for some people or, or things that are a little out of the box. Let's say they don't yeah. connect. Let's say the things don't align where it's like, I, the that's the no way, hell no list. And the other person is hell yes. How do you kind of create that middle ground if what you are trying to expand is a hell no and the other person is a hell yes on that? Yeah. Great question. So I remind couples that right now we're just having a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that what can happen is there can be, again, there's there's so much shame. Um, there's so much judgment. There's so much vulnerability that can be, a t- that can be tied to sex that we almost imagine that us having a conversation about what we're interested in one that it has to that unless my partner is interested in this right now like it, there's a game over right unless they're interested in pegging as well in this very moment things can never change there can never be any type of compromise like they're just they're judging me and um you know and i'm feeling shameful um or you know i'm surprised that my partner is into this and they're going to want me to do this tomorrow and i oftentimes i think that sometimes what can happen is we can catastrophize instead of just really sitting with and being in the energy of just trying to learn more about our partner, right? Mm -hmm. Just because we sit down and have a conversation about some of the things that we're interested in or have thought of or have fantasized about, or maybe want to try one day, doesn't mean that we have to put it on the schedule for tomorrow. Um, And so I oftentimes tell couples to take the pressure off of the conversation. If you're not aligning, that is okay. This is a continuous conversation for you all to learn, grow, pivot, understand each other more, get curious about like, why is it, you know, I'm interested to know why that's something that you desire. Like, what about that seems like it would be intriguing for you. And I think that these conversations can be continuous. Um, and I think that we can we can definitely grow and expand even our understanding um, of our own relationship with sex by being open to having the conversations. Mm-hmm. So I often tell couples, m- make sure that you're going into it as a conversation, not necessarily a plan of action. Um, and I think that that can oftentimes take the pressure off um because you know i will even share for my my own relationship there's things that you know we even my either my husband was into or i was into that n- n- the other party was like oh that's a no for me but over time after having conversation we either had some acceptance or just gained a lot of curiosity from those conversations in order to open the conversation to learn more um, and also to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. And so I think that again, because of sex and what it means in our society and how much shame can be rooted in it, I think that the conversation can jump to feelings of unworthiness mm-hmm. um, really, really quickly. And so helping couples to recognize that we're we're just having a conversation um, versus we have to go in and, and do this act tomorrow. It's like, I'm going to show you a menu of food options, right? And I'm going to say, hey, you know, what would you want to try? That doesn't mean that tomorrow we're going to go to all of these restaurants, right? We're going to book a Thai restaurant, a Japanese restaurant, a Greek restaurant. That's not what that means. But I'm just trying to learn more about your sexual appetite. I like that idea. Make it kind of like a buffet. Like you can Yeah. Choose. Um, you know, I have a, a few other other questions is how important is sex 
to the depth of, of a relationship. Let's say sex is just fine, right? It's just fine. Mm-hmm. But every other aspect is beautiful, connected, magical, you know, whether it's family, kids, you know, you work well together, you love spending time together, but sex is just, it's just okay. And, and is that the end of the world for, for a couple? I will say it depends on the couple. Mm-hmm. It depends on the individuals in that relationship, because for some people, that would be absolutely perfect, right? You, you know, we have, you know, and it's very interesting because as I talk to couples, even around their sexual frequency and how important sex is to them, there's a spectrum of answers and that is okay. You get to decide, you have the permission for your relationship to determine how important sex is and how you want to have it, the frequency, what you want to try, like that is truly up to you. And so what I usually say is if both individuals are on the same page around the sex in their relationship, that is thumbs up. That is excellent. It's when there is some type of discrepancy. One partner's maybe wanting sex a whole lot more. The other partner's wanting sex a whole lot less. You know, one partner's really want to try new things. The other partner really isn't open to that. You know, one one partner tries to prioritize sex and tries to, you know, plan it ahead of time and make time for it. The other partner may keep dropping the ball and doesn't find time to to create a space for it to happen. That's typically where the challenges arise. Um, so the couple really gets to decide how important sex is in their relationship. And that can also change over time, right? Maybe when you first get together with your partner, you know, you guys are um, having sex really frequently and really often, and it's a major part part of your relationship. Um, and that feels good for that stage of your relationship. And then over time, maybe you have children. And when you have children, you know, sex is not prioritized as much. And you're more so spending more time with family versus, you know, having two sometime. And that may feel good for your relationship. And then guess what? When kids get out of the house, maybe you are reverting back to sex being more of a priority in your relationship. And you get to decide the flow for your relationship that feels good. So long answer to your question. Um, the couple really gets to decide. And as long as they're on the same page, that's why I encourage regular conversation because sometimes what happens is you're not on the same page, but no one has said anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I think um, that idea so that becomes important. And I think that idea and concept of like the stages and changing and not being stat, not, not it being a forever com- idea, but that this is just where we're at in our relationship, whether it's the beginning, whether it's with kids right? Whether then it's like when they're older, different parts of, it doesn't mean that this is now a forever thing because for the last three, four, five years has been like this, but now it's going to be the next 10, 15, 20 years. And I think we also have okay. to learn to, to not be complacent and, and, you know, converse and talk and, 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 and communicate those things. You know, the last few questions I have is, you know, we're talking right now a lot more about the physicality, but I want to jump back to the emotional, intellectual, and spiritual part of intimacy where there are just different types of people, right? Some one might be more of a talker, the other might be more, you know, quieter. One might be into reading and educating themselves on many topics. One might be more spiritual than the other. Does the fact that there's a difference in style of people create a disconnect where because to me I have this this theory and and it's not probably probably not mine that we cannot rely on one person to be the the filler of our entire cup. Right, we we cannot do that, and if we put that on our partners, as that they are the sole proprietor of all our intimacy and all our connection, they're going to fail inevitably because they can't do everything. So that's why you have to have some bro time or some girl time, or you have to have certain friends that are into this, and you have the pockets of things that fill up the big cup that is yourself. Right, it is that connection and intimacy. So that to me is a journey of figuring out what your partner can give you and where you need other things. But a lot of times partners get insulted when you don't utilize them as those things, even though they can't give it. So how do we kind of create that conversation of, we have a difference of, let's say, emotional awareness or conversation. I'm more of a talker. You're not. I'm more spiritual. You're not. Or you're more intellectual and I'm not. Right. And it doesn't mean something's wrong with you, but I need that piece to be fit into my life to be full. You can't give it, but I still love you. How do we kind of come to terms with that? Because intimacy is such a huge part 
but it doesn't have to be just from our partner. So how do we accept that as a truth? And how do mm-hmm. we kind of communicate that with our people? Yeah. So I and by the way, you could disagree with me if you don't like, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't agree with that. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I think that when we start to have that reliance, um, it can, it can really morph into a codependent relationship mm-hmm. um, because there's no person that can give us everything. Um, and so we have to have these additional outlets, like you mentioned. And again, that's why at least in terms of how I look at intimacy, it starts with self-intimacy first, right? How can I give myself emotional intimacy? How can I give myself physical intimacy? That's another area of intimacy that people assume like your partner has to be a a part of um, the process all the time. That's not necessarily true. Um, How can I give myself intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy, experiential intimacy? So it starts there with what you can do for yourself. And then how can you extend this intimacy to other important people who you feel safe with in your life. That person can be your partner and it may be a friend, you know, a spiritual leader, um, a family member, a colleague. Um, it could be a it could be a number of people, but I think definitely having other people who, especially you're experiencing emotional intimacy with, is going to be extremely important um, because as much as your partner may show up for you, they also, you know, their cup can get full. And so you that you want to be able to distribute and feel like you can emotionally connect um, and feel safe with and vulnerable with other people outside of the context of your partner. I will say this though, because this comes up very often um, when I'm working with couples, is that emotional intimacy piece. You, like you mentioned a couple, you mentioned here um, a couple of minutes ago, you know, one person is a talker, the other person is not. Um, in regards to emotional intimacy, I often tell people to even expand what emotional intimacy may look like in your relationship. Because I think a lot of times it is, you know, one person speaking, the other person is listening and we're building emotional intimacy that way. Mm-hmm. But if we know that our partner doesn't necessarily verbally express much through their words, you know, are there other outlets or ways that they can express what's happening emotionally for them? For example, are they a journaler? Do they enjoy, you know, you know, writing? That can be a way where you may not necessarily be sitting down and having an emotional conversation with your partner, but maybe you all have, you know, a couple's journal where you know, you're sharing some thoughts and you're like you're coming together um, and, you know, maybe at times talking through some of those thoughts and at times maybe just writing each other back and forth. So you can get really creative if your partner doesn't necessarily express in the same way that that you do and you're having a thought about this i'm, I'm interested to no, know what do you i've thought? never I, I know i have my own my own journal and i've journaled yeah. for years like since mm-hmm. i was like a kid yeah um i adhd and anxiety and so mm-hmm. you know i was going to therapy as a kid and and my you know my therapist so i have like the old marbled you know the, the classic marbled notebooks that yes. i kept for years and the funny thing is, I have, I have atrocious handwriting, so I can never read what the hell I wrote as a kid. I'm like, <laughs> that is hilarious. what's that word? You know, it's really so like, uh, and I just had like a bro hangout with a, we're trying to create a mini tribe of some guys in the community, like just to have that, you know, camaraderie. And I said, like, yeah, I have a journal. And they're like, oh my God, what if your wife reads it? I'm like, she can't. It's terrible handwriting. <laughs> and we have trust and respect. And I'm not writing anything that's that, you know, dangerous. It's my, it's my emotions. Right. And they were like, oh, what if, you know, you die and she reads it? I'm like, I'm dead. I'm sorry. I'm dead. Who cares? <laughs> right. Uh, what, what? Who cares if she hates me then? But I think the interesting thing is I've never heard of someone putting that terminology of a couple's journal, like a conversation, a back and forth. I like, I love that. Like, I think that's, I want to try that with my wife. I love that idea of like writing a question or writing a thought and leaving it on their nightstand. Like mm-hmm. when you have time, no pressure, not like I need to know now. And it doesn't have to be a full on conversation. And she's probably going to write most everything because she has amazing handwriting, but like a computer. But like that is a beautiful idea that I've never thought of to do because to me, journaling has always been a self 
self-reflection, self-awareness journey in like with me, me and the me and this book. Mm-hmm. Not like a a, a like a, a participation of another person. You know, I might read a, an excerpt or a, a part of it to someone or to her, or to like say, can you read this page? Something I've been thinking about, not like this collaboration. So that's what I was thinking. I was smiling. I'm like, that's a genius idea. I've yeah. never heard of it that way. I love that. Yeah, I'm glad that it resonates for you. And I think that for so many people, especially with that dynamic of, you know, maybe one person's a talker and the other person may not be. Me, I'm a talker. I think that it can be, so- <laughs> I'm the talker too. Um, my husband definitely is like, all right, I need some I need some me time. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it can be such a powerful tool. And, you know, when we have conversations, as you know, um, sometimes, you know, our words can be, um, you know, misunderstood. Um, we can forget exactly what we said when we have that written expression back and forth, that written communication, that emotional, um, emotional intimacy that we're building through, you know, paper, pen, or mm. email, for example, mm. it never goes away. And so it's an amazing reflective tool for your relationship as well, because you can look back and say, wow, babe, look where we were a year ago and look how we've really been able to, you know, work Mm. through, you know, conflicts that we've had with our in-laws and, Mm. you know, feelings of validation that we've had with one another and look at how we're parenting and Mm. just look how we're really prioritizing our intimacy. That Mm. can be really powerful as well, because it's, it's much more difficult to remember the nuances of the, of that verbal communication. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Amazon and buy some funky, funky journal today, and then uh, you know present it to my wife as an idea. Uh, so thank you I love for that. that idea. Um, the last two questions I have is uh, more of a men's focused question. You know, as a guy, a husband, um, I don't know why, but over the cat past year, I've had more men in my practice than I've ever had in my in my career. And I've been doing, I'm doing this for eight years. I've never had more men in my practice than right now. I know the podcast is called the dude therapist. It's because I'm a dude who's a therapist. I don't specialize in dudes. I just happen to be a dude and a voice of mental health. That is a man. Um, when you look at the layers of intimacy in the research or your experience, have you seen a different hierarchy comparatively from men to women and what is more in, or what is the importance or focus of that intimacy. And I know I'm, this is very generalized conversation. So if mm-hmm. it's too generalized or vague, please say, Hey, depends on the person, but just from the maybe research, are there things that women focus more on versus men? Because there's a recently an article that came out on the idea that when it comes to what is more important, men versus women, men's number one is respect and women's number one is love or to be loved. Not that love is not on the list of men and not that respect is not on the list of women. It might be in the top five for each of them, but number one for men was respect and number one for women was love. Is there the same kind of maybe the hierarchy of what might be more important, men versus women? Yes. So thank you for sharing that with me. As you said, respect and to be loved, I something clicked for me because I'm like, whoa, that is definitely representative of my relationship. And when I think about the couples that I've served, those themes come up very often. Like, you know, I didn't seen, feel respected. Of ha- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that that's major. So what, what I see, and this um, is backed by research, I can't remember specifically um, the details details here, but I know that I've seen this over and over. And and again, we're speaking in general terms. Um, But what I tend to see in regards to intimacy is there's a discrepancy. Oftentimes, especially when there's a male-female relationship, um, where men are feeling like the closeness is built more through physical touch. And the women are feeling that the closeness is built through conversation and emotional intimacy and feeling cared for and feeling loved. And so there's this, there can become this major discrepancy on how each other are wanting to, hoping actually for intimacy to be expressed. Um, And I think that, and again, not all women and not all men, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think that 
that comes up enough for it to be something that um, has stood out in the research. And just, you know, with my own experience, I see it often. I see it often, you know, like, you know, one partner will go over to their partner um, and rub their back and kiss them on the cheek. And, um, you know, the, the partner, the other partner may back up because it's like, you haven't even asked me how my day was. Um, and so again, you know, they're both wanting, you know, to feel cared for, but they're doing it in very different ways. And so I think that that is oftentimes what I see. I, um, in regards to men specifically, that physical connection is really, really big. And I think that it's big for women as well. But I think in terms of how it's expressed, it just looks different. And what I oftentimes see when it becomes a conflict is that there's this perception that every time there's physical touch, that means that that then is, like you want sex when it's like, no, I actually want to connect with you. Um, and so that can be really, really frustrating for a partner who um, is the main initiator of sex in the relationship because you can kind of get stuck in. Well, I feel like every time I'm touching my partner, they mm. may be assuming that um, I'm wanting sex when it's really like this is the way that I connect. Uh I love that. I love that last piece because I think it's so important. I know um, when I saw that article about respect, it kind of hit home with me as well. Like to be seen, to be, to be, you know, um, understood or to be respected, I think is an important thing. It doesn't mean the power of respect. Like you better respect me or else. Okay. It's the idea of I just want to be seen and just noticed, right? For the, yeah. the, the hard work. I think a lot of men, um, if you read Susan David's book on emotional agility, men are more of the, the bottlers where they hold everything in and women are more of brooders mm -hmm. where it's repetitive in their head and they're re ready at any moment to say what they want to say. And I think when men hold a lot of stuff in, they just want to be recognized for the effort and the hard work that they're Absolutely. doing, whether it's to be a father, to be a, to be a husband, to do the work, to go out and, and not that they have to be breadwinners, but just the work they're doing. Right, screw those roles mm -hmm. of breadwinner versus not, but just the idea of I'm trying, I'm trying really hard. And women need that also, right? Words of affirmation. I'm not just talking about love languages to be seen for mm -hmm. efforts. I think we miss that sometimes in relationships that someone just wants to be seen. Um, and for women, that's like shared love and expression of love. And I love that idea yeah. of like, of you haven't even asked me how I'm doing this morning and you're already <laughs> grabbing my butt or you're already leaning over and giving me a kiss on the cheek or whatever that is. Um, I, you know, there's a funny memes or TikToks that come out of, um, like, uh, when my husband doesn't grab my butt, something must be wrong with him. Right. Right. Of like, you <laughs> know, like those, those all the time, all the time of like, you know, and the woman like put their butt out and he's like, oh my gosh, you didn't grab it. We must be in a fight. Right. Like all those like <laughs> jokey things and everyone has the, and, and the funny thing to me is that the true intimacy, that is a funny way of putting intimacy. Like I know. That my that's my way of my husband saying, Hey, I love you. A little mm -hmm. touch on the on the on the butt or a little rub on the shoulder or a little kiss on the bat on the cheek or the forehead, right? Those little things, that to me is true intimacy. It's not the big sex, it's not the big event, it's the small moments that we create in a relationship that I feel connected. And when you don't do that, I pick up on that because you've been doing it for so long. And that's how I know we're good. And to me, every couple needs to figure out those little, little quirks and little cuteness that is intimacy. Like I know for my wife and I, it's a little cheek on the forehead. We have a good night thing we say that I started doing randomly. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I said like, I go uh, sleep well. She goes dream big. Uh, I don't even, I have to be at bed, I guess, a good night to, to get like in the routine. Um, and you're my something and you're my everything. Right. That's oh, what we that's say every beautiful. night. I don't know mm -hmm. why we say that. I don't know when we started doing that. I don't know how it started, but that's just what we do. And when we don't do that, we're probably fighting. Mm -hmm. So like those little things make a big difference. And to me, we have to focus on the small things in the relationship. Those are the intimate moments, the looks, the cuteness, little holding their hands while you go on a walk. There's a friend of mine, my best friend growing up, his parents go for a walk every day in the morning, every day. And they're like married wow. for like 30, 40 years. Like they're mm -hmm. in their seventies, right? I'm, I'm in my thirties. So my best friend, since I was in like second grade, his parents go for a walk every day, rain or shine in the East coast. 
And I always admire that because it's just the two of them. They're exercising, they're moving, and they're talking, and they're out of their home where the stress is, and they're with each other. And it doesn't have to be going to the gym together. I know you talk a lot about working out with your with your person, your, your partner, and I love that. I can't wait for that when our schedules line up because I love that connection. But it, that's what intimacy is. It's just the two of you. Mm-hmm. Just the two of you, yeah. nothing else. You know, and the last question I had, again, another man's question. I could talk about this forever because I, I love relationships and I love connection. Maybe we have to have you on again, or maybe we just need to take over the world. I would love to a, be back. Let's create a TV <laughs> show together and just talk about sex and relationships and take over the world. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm here for it too. Oprah, come on, call me. Um, but in reality, I see there's a lot of things I've been seeing recently on social media of a lot of unhealthy things about men, like alpha male and all that stupidity and men's coaches and ridiculous. I hate that stuff. Uh, Because I think it's so destructive. But I see a lot of positive things when it comes to the resources that women have. Whether it's, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the book, Come As You Are, and uh, She Comes First, right? And all these wonderful, amazing books and resources for women to understand themselves and their needs and then ways to express it. I don't see that for men. I don't see books like that of how to find you know, intimacy. I think women are a lot more complex when it comes to physical intimacy for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, The system's a lot more complex than a penis is, let's be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. But how do you know of the resources that might be there for men's understanding other than Meta from Mars, Worm from Venus in the bedroom? You know, that's a classic. And and, and honestly, it's pretty simplistic and, and, and not that in depth. I don't find it very intellectual or even emotionally understanding about that stuff. Um, do you know of anything? I was just wanting to, I've been wanting to ask you that because I, I, I haven't found that much. Yeah. So I do not know of anything. And I think that there's not a lot that exists, um, in that space. And I will say, I will say this. So one, I think it's an, it's unfortunate that that is the case because I think that just in terms of just building emotional intelligence and like the, the, the resources that are available. I feel like it's very gender skewed. Like women are on board, um, in terms of having resources allocated to them. And I think that, you know, men are, are trying to catch up and I'm glad that we're moving in that direction. Um, but I will say specifically for like books, like, um, you know, come as you are. I think that what has happened is that we and my hope is that resources for men are coming um i have chosen specifically to focus on helping women build sexual confidence and understand their bodies because of the society that we live in and how the education that we've received around sex um it has been focused on men. Yes. It's been focused on men. There's been a lot of purity culture. A lot of women have sexual scripts that they hold, meaning, you know, messages that they've received from uh, society, church, family. Right. And a lot of it is, you know, sex is for male pleasure. Um, you know, I am here to perform, um, not to, you know, be pleased. Um, if I have too much sex, then I'm unworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of messaging that women have downloaded and men have downloaded messages as well. Of course, you know, there's hypersexuality and, you know, men always want sex. You should always be ready for sex. You should never turn down sex. Right. Um, But I think that just in terms of liberation, Mm. women specifically have so far to go with really like unlearning some of that messaging Mm. that has kept them from feeling sexually free. And so I think that what you're seeing in terms of the resources, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. the resources that are, that are coming out are focused on that aspect because women are so much further behind when it comes to sexual liberation and freedom. Um, And And even just, even just acceptance of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never, and, and I hope, I hope it wasn't coming as an attack, but like I, I really love what you just said because like I have a daughter who's turning four Mm -hmm. and we're just, my wife and I are just discussing the idea of the power of her body and, and, and how, you know, she loves to shake her booty everywhere. 
you know, and she just <laughs> loves to dance and loves to go like, look, daddy. And she's so cute. And I love it. <laughs> but like, we live in a world where, you know, who knows and what and how that might be taken when she gets older, right? As the idea of sexual freedom, as well as protection of self. Now I'm a religious person. I'm very on board on sex. I think it's imp- beautiful. I think it's empowering. Empowering. It's natural. It's healthy. It's magical and wonderful. And I, and I think it's a disservice that we have done. I know in the religious world what we have created in the environment of how women feel about feelings of body and self and 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 beauty and majesty that is the woman's body. Um, and it's, I'm, I love that you are getting emotional a little bit. I love that you do what you do because my daughter needs people like you to teach Mm. them and educate them that my wife never had, not that she can't, she, I love my wife and she's amazing. And and we are going to raise our kids to be kind and caring human beings, but there's a part of sexuality that is demonized and, 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 and put down or just being a human in a loving relationship and, and interacting with themselves in such an intimate way. And uh, I had a very eye-opening conversation with an amazing human being. Her name is Alea B. Uh, she does, she, I would love to connect you to Alea B coaching. She does, she's a sex and intimacy coach. And I would love to speak with her. I'm going to connect you guys. Uh, She's like about like goddess empowerment and all this wonderful thing and how to talk and say what you want as a woman and, and not be ashamed by it. And, and I agree with you that men have been the power of sex. And I think the idea that women's needs are deserved and needed and, 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 and have to be there as well is super important. And just to put out, by the way, just a resource in general, um, Esther Perel has a book, Mating in Captivity, which is just about, you know, sexual desire in general. It's not one mm-hmm. focused on women empowerment and and women's bodies and women's sexual um, needs. So there are things there, but I think when it comes to the man, the thing that I'm concerned about is the opposite effect that has happened, right? So men has been, have been the, the power of sex, the focus of sex. And I think what happens is now men don't have an avenue of sexual acceptance that is healthy. I think oh, what's yeah. happened is that it's become toxic, not toxic masculinity, but the masculine, but just a, a toxic viewpoint on sex and mm-hmm. what sex is and how aggressive pornography has become. And, and if you look at the most common searches in Pornhub or anything of that nature, it's aggressive in its language of, of, uh, of intensity. Now, some people like that. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. But the idea of respect and love for self as well as a man and lack of shame for masturbation and sexual feelings and thoughts and trying new things and experiences, I don't think is out there as much. So okay. we have to sometimes have that pendulum swing from away from the power to the um, people who have been undermined or not looked at women in this case when it comes to sex. I hope that it comes back to a balance where everyone has that that voice and that that empowerment for self to be okay with sex and be okay with intimacy and be understanding of self. So I love what you do. I think it's awesome. I think that you're killing it, and I'm so happy you're on the show. Um, and you know, you can find her at Dr. Jack. Um, she's out there. She's doing it. She's killing it. She's changing minds and changing the world. So I was so honored when you said yes. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, this conversation um, warms my heart in so many ways. Um, Thank you for creating this platform uh, and focusing on intimacy from so many different angles. Like we talked about so many different ways that intimacy is important. And my hope is that people really walk away from this conversation getting curious about themselves, um, their self, and really if they are in a relationship with a partner, um, sharing some of the takeaways with their partner, because I think that that can start the dialogue that I think is necessary um, to start to kind of build that intimacy and expand it in ways. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. It means a lot to me because without you, the listeners, 
this podcast can't happen. So every listen, every download, every rate, review, and share means so much to me. And I hope you enjoyed these conversations as much as I did. Talking about wellness, mental health, and relationships is one of my passions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Always feel free to DM me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast.